Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey everybody, welcome back to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. I am super jacked for today's episode because we are going to sit down and talk to one of the most sought after dog trainers in the whole country, Sean O'Shea. Now, here's the cool part. Not only is Sean the founder of thegooddog.net and trains other dog trainers how to have incredible businesses doing the same, but he was actually hired and trained by Caesar Milan. Like Caesar Milan is the guy that people everybody thinks of when they think of, you know, famous dog trainers. Well, Sean has taken that education and run with it. He is the modern day dog training celebrity who is not just an expert dog trainer, but one heck of an entrepreneur with all sorts of incredible self-development tips for you. As a matter of fact, he has a new self-development book that is coming out that we're going to talk all about. But before we do, we open with his story. And it's a story of overcoming alcoholism and sexual abuse and learning disabilities and divorce and you name it. Like the cards were stacked against him, yet he managed to push through anyways. And so you are going to leave inspired. You're going to leave realizing that you can do anything you want to do. You're going to hear about his breakthrough moments. You're going to hear who he turns to when he is looking for self-development. And you're really going to learn why he donates all of his profits of his upcoming book to Pencils of Promise. So get ready, listen up, because this episode is absolutely incredible. All right, Sean, my man, I am so pumped to have you on for a number of reasons, quite quite honestly. You know, number one, you're known as one of the best dog trainers in like the country. And I've actually gotten to experience that firsthand. You've radically saved my brother's dog's life and, and turned Ozzy into like the coolest dog ever now. But you're also an epic, epic entrepreneur, which fits the MO of this show. And you are all about generosity and doing some really cool things that we'll get into later. So how you been, man? Uh, I've been good, man. Thank you. Uh, thanks for the warm welcome. And uh, I'm super happy I could help Ozzy. That's, you know, fantastic. That's great stuff. Game changer. We now have this great family member thanks to you. So very cool. Yay. That's great. So that's here's awesome. what I've found. I've, I've found that my listeners um, care most about all the awesome lessons that you're going to offer them after they start to care about you. And, and the best way to do that is kind of hearing your backstory. And what I love about your backstory is, as you put it, you didn't necessarily come from an ideal background. You want to kind of start us there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of folks that can identify with it. But, uh, you know, the typical dysfunctional, a lot of alcoholism, um, emotional neglect, some, uh, you know, sexual trauma things, um, a lot of, uh, you know, divorce, absentee parents, um, uh dyslexia so learning disabilities that were largely undiagnosed um struggling through school struggling in my families moving back and forth between you know divorced families trying to figure out who was you know most sane at the time 
And um, so the the growing up period was uh, was a was a challenging one because there was a lot of stuff cooking within me that nobody really knew. Um, also had ADHD and blah blah blah, and so nobody really knew what to what to make of me. Um, and I think simultaneously, while having all of these kind of disabilities, if you want to call them that, there was also some stuff that that I had that would be. Uh, kind of counterbalances to that, which were different insights, different emotional connections. I think I ended up asking my parents a lot of uncomfortable questions that they were hoping their seven-year-old child <laughs> wouldn't ask. So, um, so yeah, so it, it, it comes with, you know, the twofold, you know, both uh, the challenges, um, but also as with most um, challenges or obstacles. There's, if you can push through and, and, and make it to the other side, there's, there's a lot of value benefit and breakthrough and, uh, self-growth on the other side of it. So a lot of, a lot of kind of, you know, I don't want to go too down the, the depressing, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, trail with that, but there was definitely some, some pretty tough, alone times, you know, definitely on my own and couch surfing and, you know, completely broke and, you know, homeless stuff and, you know, uh, the usual like bad stuff. And, um, uh, but always, always, always there, there was a, it's an, it's an interesting thing, but uh, there was always a kernel, and I, it probably kind of points to this different kind of mindset that I that I think I was born with, and I don't mean that in any kind of highfalutin way, but just whatever different kind of brain structure I had, always had that seed in my in my mind that I was meant to do something more, that it was meant to contribute more, um, create more, connect more, do something um, at a higher level. So that's always kind of been there pushing me and creating anxiety when I'm not following through and not doing it. So I started out largely as a, as a, as a professional musician and trying to work that for most of my, um, you know, from the time my dad was a professional drummer. So from the time I was three, I had a drum set and, you know, I toured and I played on a lot of records and I did stuff like that, but I was in a very toxic situation with my band and, you know, we traveled a lot and did some pretty cool things, but it was very toxic and there was no money to be made. And, and to be honest, no control over your personal life or your personal destination and um so or personal direction so um i ended up leaving that at about i don't know i want to say like 35 36 whereas my identity had always been that's who you are you know and i'd worked a bunch of crappy jobs um 10 years at a record store and then i'd been uh valeting for 11 years by the time i finally quit so not exactly you know or exactly not exactly um you know uh amazing gigs um not just financially but as far as what they represented socially and what they represented to me as far as my progress and who i was and what i was accomplishing i was well aware that i was uh underachieving and it was a pretty pretty dramatically tough situation with both those jobs which basically absorbed 21 22 years of my of my younger my younger days um, knowing that I was should be doing something but having no clue not the foggiest idea of how to get there and so that kind of 
you know, it kind of leads me to then I adopted some dogs um, uh, when I was uh, maybe 30, something right around there. And um, that was kind of the pivotal change. Um, I was, due to all the stuff going on with my life, I was uh, largely isolated. Um, I don't want to say antisocial, but very shy, um, very much kept to myself. And bringing dogs into my life really opened up the door to connection in a way that I'd never felt before. And so um, I jumped into that. Unfortunately, I jumped in the wrong way and um, messed my dogs up tremendously and, and created some, some real kind of dangerous behaviors and, and some, some really messy dogs. So, which is another good point beyond the kind of not coming from any business background. I also didn't come from knowing what the hell I was doing with dogs. So it's a, it's a great reinforcer of you don't have to come to the table with the skills. You just have to want the skills really, really bad. And so after messing my dogs up, I realized, okay, there's got to be something better out here. And so I went on the, the journey of trying to find out how to fix, resolve, um, the situation. And I legitimately, as cheesy as it might sound, made a promise to my dogs that before they stepped off this planet, I would do my best to get them to uh, a balanced, healthy space um, that I kind of denied them from my lack of knowledge. And so that suddenly, you know, I went from being a musician and having kind of lost that whole identity to training dogs and I quickly found that things started moving um, and people were asking me for help and had seen my dogs be maniacs and now they were be behaving like angels and everybody wanted to know how I was doing it. And, you know, uh, it, it's an interesting thing to say it came natural because obviously from the first part of the story, I did it wrong. But once I got the, the seeds of what was wrong, the rest of it really kind of did come natural and I was able to move my dogs through into a space of being really, really well-behaved dogs, uh, highly trained. And that started me on a, you know, a, a funny, a funny quick story. I'll try and be real brief with it, but I was out walking my three and we were walking down Ventura Boulevard here in, in LA, which is a really popular, you know, like busy street. And this older woman who was about 83 pulled over in her, in her uh, BMW uh, station wagon and said, young man, do you walk dogs? And um, I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so she uh, she took me back to her house um, to meet her husband to see if I was up to snuff to walk their golden retrievers, <laughs> fed me fed me tuna fish sandwiches and uh, really gave me the once over. Once they approved, they uh, they put me to work. And from from her, honestly, she just recently passed, actually. But honestly, she uh, she was the one who started the whole kind of passing me on to other people. She was in Beverly Hills, so she re started recommending me to a lot of other people. And the dog walking business took off because I was able to handle dogs that a lot of people couldn't. So I was walking 8, 10, 12, 14 dogs that had, you know, dog aggression or, you know, other issues and able to to do that successfully. That's obviously a visually, if you, you know, it was kind of at the beginning of social media back then and not everybody had a smartphone, but I was starting to work on taking pictures and capturing that stuff. And when you've got 14 dogs behind you, you know, walking like angels, it's a pretty, you know, visual, visually it, it, it's striking. 
And so that kind of was how I made my made my first kind of foray into like, here I am. And then from there, it was an organic kind of shift into actually training dogs and doing doing that. So that's kind of how that worked. But I had zero idea of like business or how to run finances or, you know, any of the stuff that's necessary for really doing business at a higher level. So there was a a lot to learn. Sean, that's a a remarkable story. I want to make sure we really get everybody to come along with the ride because it's fascinating that you went from such a dark place to such a successful place. Um, If you could briefly describe one of your lowest moments for us. <laughs> how much how much time do you have well, um, let's do the brief version just uh, yeah, we'll, we'll build yeah, on this yeah. here. I, I'm, I'm teasing um but uh you know i think i think when when i stopped playing music and i realized that the identity that i thought that would be my identity for the rest of my life was no longer um and that i was going to have to rebuild something and i had no idea how that was going to look or how i was going to do it and that i didn't really have any skill sets that were built in at that point um you know i and i didn't have any family to lean on i couldn't go and borrow you know money from my family to to get by or to make things happen it was really you know on me and so yeah, I'd say that was probably the the extremely I mean I can remember being on the side of the road talking to the guys in my band on the phone and saying like this is it um basically them saying you need to make a choice and me kind of choosing to uh walk a try and walk a healthier path um rather than be in the situation where we had had some success but it was just super toxic. And 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 that said, what's an, an maybe an interesting point to that is that I had just started really listening to Jim Rohn at that point. And I remember playing Jim Rohn CDs in the touring van, and everybody in the in the van was like, "Turn this crap off! What is this crazy old van? And what's he talking about? You know?" And and at the for me, I was like, "This guy is basically, you know." This is he's sharing the blueprint, the the foundational principles of how to go about creating a great life. And I, I it was kind of like I finally found truth for me. And um, and of course, Caesar Milan with the dog whisperer, he came on and he was, you know, definitely into personal development and 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 working on not just training the dogs, but really getting mindset together. So those kind of coalesced just at the right times to help me. Um, help me dig in and take some chances on some things that, you know, in my world where I came from, a lot of people really kind of look down uh, at a lot of the personal development stuff. So, but when I found Jim, I was like, oh, they're, 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 you may not dig it, but I, I don't mean you, I meant my, like my team and my, my band, but like you guys may not dig him, but this guy's speaking the truth. Oh man. And, Jim, and- I got to tell you, Jim is a legend. I freaking love him. Okay. So let me, let's actually go off on a tangent right there. What role has self-development played specifically in your success? Like first it sounds like it woke you up. Yeah. What happened after that? It's everything, man. And, and that sounds like I'm preaching, but it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, my first chapter in, in my new book is is influences as far as and the and the book really kind of follows a certain kind of um, course of action, 
and the the reason that I that I put influences first was because I kind of wanted to push against a lot of the common thoughts of like think and grow rich, where it's like you start with thoughts and then you build from there. For me, it really felt like you start from influences that plant the thoughts, and then from there you can start to build everything else. For me, I had no idea like. I always called Jim Rohn like Uncle Jim or Grandpa Jim because he's the he's the uncle or grandfather everybody should have had that sat them down on their knee and said this is how life works. And so I never had that. So once I started getting that I was like, "Oh, okay. This is how life works. This is the blueprint. This all makes sense." And so what I realized was the power of influence of being surrounded whether real or virtual, alive or dead. I could pull from these people, not just ideas and concepts, but I could actually, if I surrounded myself with them enough, they would raise the bar on my character, what I, what I deemed acceptable as human behavior, what, what, what my personal code and ethics were, um, because they weren't so great at that point. And so being surrounded continuously by, by great influences, I think, you know, to answer your question, what, what's, what was the impact of personal development? It was everything. Um, it, it is literally what caused me to change my, my direction and my path um, a thousand percent. And I, I wouldn't be sitting here. I wouldn't have this business. I wouldn't have the books out. None of that stuff would be here without it. And, um, and, and it's a very personal journey. Everybody's got to find who resonates with them and who makes sense and, uh, and who doesn't. So, um, but for me, I heard Jim and I was like, oh, this, this is truth. This is, this is the stuff I, I never got. And so um, I just, I, I dove in and I probably listened to his six CD, six CD set, um, Art of Exceptional Living probably 150, 250 times. Like wow. it, it's, it's really, it really like when people ask, what's the one thing that's always my first suggestion. So, um, that's fascinating. Yeah. Like you did the work to break through and become the guy that you are right now. And you said something earlier that I don't want to skim over because this is really important for everyone. You said you don't have to come to the table with the skills. You just have to want the skills bad enough. Can you expand on that for us? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I always say, you know, we, we teach seminars for, for up and coming dog trainers. And, and one of the, the things that I always try and share is that drive will reveal the path. And if you are truly driven to find your best, to get to your best, to uncover your best, drive will help. It will just keep pushing you in different directions until you bounce off the right things that you go, aha, that's that, or that's not what I need. This is what I need. And, and for me, the drive, and like I said at the top of this, was that I always had a feeling that there was something I was supposed to be doing, something more, something deeper, something more impactful. And uh, so I, I think that even though I knew I didn't have all of the tools, I felt like, and especially, you know, if you listen a lot to Jim Rohn, a lot of what he teaches and, and, and preaches is that it's about, you know, skills are, are the, the difference between ignorance or suffering. It's skills, it's skills. I mean, he pounds that message home over and over again, skills, skills, skills. And so I was like, well, I can develop skills. 
And, um, and rather than it being some esoteric, you know, mind shift, I mean, of course, it's a mind shift to some degree, but in a lot of ways, it was very tangible and very practical. And so him taking it out of, and a couple other people like Larry Wingate was a huge influence on me. Um, Larry Wingate was a great offset to a lot of personal development that was very kind of like uh, <sighs> nebulous, touchy-feely, and he was very much like, work your ass off, stop making complaints. If your life sucks, it's because you suck. And I was like, ooh, I need that. <laughs> that's, a really, that's a really good counterbalance. So, um, so there were a couple guys, you know, early on, Jim, uh, Larry, Randy Gage, who talked a ton about um, prosperity consciousness, which is something you kind of, you know, touched on, um, mentioned earlier, people feeling uncomfortable about, about, resources about developing wealth about having more creating more and that it takes from others um honestly randy gage really kind of changed my mindset about feeling good about creating more resources so i could do more good and that was a huge shift and of course like if you go down the rabbit hole of that stuff it's all about you know um it's all about personal personal worth and a lot of early programming, early programming about money. Um, rich people are bad. Anybody who's got this has done, done people dirty, you know, um, on and on and on all the messages we get either through family, friends, or media, um, had really programmed me as well as millions of others to not want to pursue those things because nobody wants to be something that they abhor or feel negative about. And so Randy really helped me reframe um, going after creating more resources financially and otherwise value in general as a very positive thing. And once that reframed for me, it helped me reframe all the other messages that I'd gotten for most of my life. So I think that was a, a crucial element to it as well. Man, Sean, that's fascinating. Uh, you've literally just rolled up your sleeves and educated yourself on everything. So how did you build your business so successfully? You know, the majority of our listeners are entrepreneurs and they all have different types of businesses. There's got to be something you did differently than all the other people in your field that's made you take off and others not. I think we just touched on it. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, I think that work of diving into, you know, which is why at our seminars, it's broken into three pieces, which is dog training. You got to train dogs, um, business, you got to know how to run a business, but personal development for personal development and mindset, um, is tends to be the crucial piece that almost everybody's missing that I see struggling. They, they, they know how to work with the dog. They uh, might have their business skills together, but they haven't done the internal work to be able to bring a different part of them to the table to, uh, you know, how do they do their marketing? Because everything who you are is going to be, is going to ripple out into every customer touch point, how you market, how you take pictures, what your website looks like, what your daily messages are. Are you generous? Do you hold it close to the vest, you know? And so for me, I started following people that I saw being very generous and started to emulate that. I, it just made a lot of sense to me. You know, I started far following, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk early on and, um, you know, uh, watching him and, and other people uh, just give a ton of value, uh, 
and as, as, as well as a friend of mine named Jeff Gelman, who was one of the first guys on social media to really just give a ton away, had a radio show and just was, you know, had thousands of videos. And I was like, wow, isn't this going to ruin your life or ruin your value proposition because you're giving it all away? And instead, it just boosted everything and created brand rather than just transactional business. So I would say to try and answer your question, if I look back, one, drive, um, a, a certain amount of like, um, I'm going to make this happen no matter what, which I guess falls into drive, and um, spending four and a half hours a day reading books and studying videos that change the mindset. I, 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 I'm such a firm believer that especially with my early clients that were higher, you know, I mean, I worked with some celebrity clients and some very well-to-do clients. And if I hadn't done my work, they would have never had me in their lives. I, I wouldn't have made sense to them as far as bringing them into their household to work with their kids and their family. It was only through that personal work that I made sense to them. And I, I hope that I hope that makes sense to your to your listeners as well, that I think being the equal of what you want is absolutely critical. So I want a big business and I want to be successful and I want a brand that everybody, you know, looks up to. Well, that's great. <laughs> what are you going to do to be the equal of that? So that value comes out in every aspect. And so for me, I really felt like I'd, I'd screwed up for 40 years and I didn't have the, the luxury of a lot of time to waste. So I went hard. And literally, I spent four, four and a half hours a day, and I'm a slow reader. So um, I went hard to try and read and absorb. Jim was playing in the car. Everybody was playing. I, I explored everything I could to try and bring those skills, uh, skill sets on board to uh, – I, I just knew. I just knew somewhere that this information was going to give me leverage – um, in all other aspects of my business. And it was the piece everybody seemed to be missing. It was the piece that had like a lot of negative connotations for people. They felt it was scammy. They felt it was cheesy. They felt it was touchy feely that whatever it might've been. So it left a big open hole. A lot of people were like, I don't want to get into that. And instead I said, I want to get into that because I can, I can feel the truth of it and I can see what it's doing. I can see what it's creating and I can see that my, my shift or my, my mental shift is going from just creating a business to how can I create something of tremendous value beyond just finance? How can I impact and create a mission that is valuable on multiple levels? So that's what personal development did for me. And I think if I can try and answer your question shortly, which I don't seem to be able to do, that, <laughs> that's, good that's, stuff. That's, that's how I did it was I'd say that was kind of my secret weapon was diving in. And, um, but finding people that, you, that resonate with you is super, super critical. Uh, a lot of people will just try a couple different things and be like, ah, oh, that sounds scammy. Or you have to do the work like anything else, whether it's like a restaurant or your favorite car wash. You've got to go to a few places and find out what really resonates or where, what's good, what's quality. And then you dive in and, uh, and pull the great stuff from it that you can. Mm, Sean, such good stuff, man. I'm loving it. Okay, so you mentioned Gary Vee and something that we have yeah. in common. I actually ran into him a few weeks ago at the Pencils of Promise Gala out in New York. And nice. we're all lovers and supporters of Pencils of Promise. As a matter of fact, your new book, Closing the Gap, correct me yeah. if I'm wrong, 
all profits are going to Pencils of Promise. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I, uh... that's insane. <laughs> that's fantastic. So the first question is, tell us about the book. Okay. So um, it's it's based on, like I said, the the escape plan for me that I u- I utilized. When I really looked at it and 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 or looked at what I wanted to accomplish, I was trying to create basically some kind of a handbook, something short enough, um, concise enough, uh, easy to access, not with a lot of fancy terminology um, that would be highly accessible to uh, a younger generation. Like a think and grow rich is very hard for a lot of people that are 16, 17 years old. A lot of the uh, language and terminology is is very antiquated and and I think can be hard for some folks to uh, to connect with. So what I was looking to do, which is a bold move, um, as I, I have a friend named Bob Berg. I don't know if you know him. He, he's yes, an author. He's been on the show, The Go-Giver. Awesome. Yes. Love it. So Bob's one of the sweetest, nicest guys in the world. And I remember telling him, you know, over PMs, I'm like, Bob, I want to create, you know, the think and grow rich for a new generation. And bless his heart, he didn't say like, buddy, you're 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 trying to, you know, bite off a lot. He just said, awesome. And it took me several years, but I actually just sent him a copy uh, um, about a week or two ago. And um, so uh, that's kind of like full circle. But my, my, my goal was to create something so, so easily accessible that you could hand it to somebody that doesn't feel good about personal development or doesn't have any experience with it. And they could jump into it and go like, okay, for one, this book isn't 600 pages. And for two, it's written in a very conversational format. And, and I, and I honestly, like a lot of folks were like, oh, are you going to put dog stuff on the front? And I actually did because I really wanted to leverage off of what I already had as far as a foundation of, of, of fans and, and use them to kind of like help spread that ripple out. So what I've done, and a lot of people don't, don't know it unless they've ordered the book is that there's a, there's an extra book in, in every, every package that goes out. So if you order one, you get a second one and there's a card in it that says, please make sure that this book goes to somebody that you think, um, could best use it or best benefit from it. So um, it's 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 a dual purpose, right? I, I'd be lying if I said would would say that it's not a marketing concept because it's definitely a way to spread the word. But it's really something at a deeper level that I wanted more people to be impacted and have a shot at reading it. So um, that's that's kind of where it came from. Um, you know, at at our T three seminar, our train the trainer seminar. We've been teaching these 10 laws or 10 principles that I came up with when we started it. And this was basically me fleshing these all out, these 10 principles, in a, in a way that was uh, uh, deeper and would have a lot more value for people. And um, so, yeah, so that was that. And, and I saw Gary doing Pencils of Promise. And I've been to Africa before and, and traveled around a bit. And uh you know, it's Africa's always spoken to me, and I know to pencils of promise to do projects in, in in other parts of the world, but it just spoke to me so much about like, wow, wouldn't it be fun to just make this book completely not for profit and 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 kind of to share that 
you don't have to be filthy rich before you start giving back, that you don't have to have it all perfectly sorted. You don't have to be sitting sitting on a million bucks to put this stuff out um, and, and have a contribution and make a positive impact. So yeah, that, that was kind of, you know, where, where it came from. And, um, I vowed that, you know, there was, you know, a lot of expenses in producing it and marketing it and getting it out there. But, um, I, I vowed I wouldn't take any money until we, uh, you know, or recoup any of those costs, which are in the multiple, multiple thousands until, uh, until we hit our goal of, of, you know, building the first school. So, and so that's, that's that. And it takes, just so everyone knows, it takes $35,000 to build a school, correct? Yes, yes. And 50 if you want to take a trip on over. If you know if you hit the 50 mark, they'll actually fly you over there. So, I'd, so, I'd, cool. I'd, so I'd, cool, so cool. I'd love to do that. But an interesting thing, and I haven't really talked about this, so you'll be the first one to publicly really know about it, but... Um, I'm actually being featured in Gary's new book. So that's, wow. that's been, it's been a huge, like, uh, you know, uh, I've been sitting on that for weeks and weeks and months and, uh, Dude, somebody, congrats. That's huge. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's, it's super special and I'm, I'm deeply honored. Um, but somebody from the UK was reading one of the galleys and uh, sent me a screenshot and said, I'm really inspired by what you wrote. And I was like, holy crap, it made it. <laughs> it's actually in the book. So, uh, so yeah, so I didn't want to say anything until I, you know, seen it. And then I didn't want to like really put anything out on social media until, um, you know, especially like screenshots of it until uh, Gary's team had already done whatever they wanted to do with the book because I didn't want to. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. So, but yeah, it's, it's incredibly exciting. Incredibly. Yeah, that's so. awesome. That's a huge honor. Way to go, Sean. That's awesome. Let me ask you, so who's this book for? Like what is, give me one of the best lessons or stories in your book. Man, I, I'd say the best, the best lesson. Um, boy, that's a hard question. I'd say the, the best, the, the best, the best piece in there is the intro, which basically states, and, and, and I was really tried to, I tried to be really conscious as I, as I stated earlier in our, in our interview here is that I wanted people to know where I'd come from that, you know, not to be dramatic and not to be, you know, fishing for sympathy, but I didn't want anybody saying, Oh, you know, you were, you know, born this way or had this or that. I really wanted folks to know that, the struggle had been pretty profound and that if I could make it through, you know, and I haven't even listed off the whole like litany of, of stuff, you know, like OCD and things like that, that, you know, were really going on psychological, you know, problems that were really, really challenging to overcome. But if I could do this, then really, and, and that's, that's kind of the premise of my, my dog training book as well. Like I screwed it, here it is in a nutshell, I screwed it all up here's how I fixed it. <laughs> that's, and, and you can do it too. And, and, and it sounds maybe a little like trite and cheesy, but that was my, my, my intro in the dog training book. Like I didn't pop out of the womb knowing how to train dogs or how to be a magician with dogs. I did it all wrong. But if you are willing to put in the work and, and acquire the skills, you can actually become masterful. And it was the same thing with closing the gap was that, 
yeah, everything started off really bad and I, and I blew, you know, a lot of years doing things that didn't really take me anywhere. But by doing the work every day and focusing, you know, laser focusing on getting out of where I was at, I could turn it around and create something that now people look to me for help, which is flabbergasting, but it's, you know, that's kind of the way it is. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I think it's the best I can kind of do to to frame that of of what I've really tried to make my mission is like, uh, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have the information. You don't have to have the knowledge. You can come from the worst, crappiest, most challenging background. Not that I've had it. There's lots of people that have had it worse, but you can come from any background. And if you're really driven and determined, you can make some amazing stuff happen if you'll do the work. So, Sean, where does all this generosity come from? Like, because let's be honest, you could have had a really chip-on-the-shoulder, hard edge, cynical view of people and of life, and you overcame it yourself. Why can't other people overcome it? Yet you're the opposite. You're compassionate and, and loving and generous to a fault to the fact where you're donating all the profits from your, your new book, Two Pencils of Promise. Where'd it come from? Two things. That's a great, great question. Two things. One would be the influences that I was surrounding myself with were all generous. Um, so that really pushed me. Two was to, honestly, um, and I haven't talked about this a lot, but uh, to make amends for all the things that I feel bad about, all of the ways that I comported myself that I'm not proud of, all of the times that I behaved in ways that um, you know I'm ashamed of, all of the, all of the stuff that I look back and I go, man, I wish you'd been a better man at this point, but I wasn't. And so for me, the generosity helps me rebuild myself, rebuild my self-esteem, rebuild my self-love, remove some of the self-loathing, remove some of the self-hate, hopefully more than just some. And um, honestly, I would say it's the influences that, that lit the spark and then really wanting to really wanting it, it, it's almost a selfish act you know by giving more I knew I would feel better about myself and uh, so uh, if it, it's kind of a win-win I, I get to win by reclaiming some of some of the beauty that I think was always in me as a human being but got lost along the way through a lot of unfortunate stuff um, and then share that beauty out with like how many how many millions of people you know do we do we know or imagine are out there struggling in similar circumstances that just need that help, that push, that information, that, that, you know, that hand, that whatever it might be um, to get out of their own situation. So I, I think that's probably the answer. Well, you know what, that's a, it's a beautiful answer and it's a beautiful excuse to be generous and I love it. All right. A couple questions left, but before I ask you the couple of signature questions, where can we find yeah. you and where can we buy this book? Um, well, you can just go to, uh, www.thegooddogway, thegooddogway.com. And that has all of our products on there. We have, um, DVDs and we've got books, um, t-shirts, which were supposed to come out a long time ago, but we've run into technical issues. So, <laughs> um, hopefully soon. Um, but yeah, so thegooddogway.com, uh, there's the good dog, um, there's the good dog.net for anybody who's looking for training help. Um, 
and um, and then of course like Facebook, the Good Dog Training and Rehabilitation, um, uh, the Good Dog Training on Instagram. Um, those those are spots, and of course YouTube, the Good Dog Training. We've got hundreds and hundreds of videos there of you know uh, uh, do it yourself videos uh, to help folks do it yourself. So. Which, by the way, is the coolest thing when you get emails uh, and messages and you know PMs from people that you've never met that live across the world, across the country, and they're like, "I've got my dog fully trained, and I fixed this, and he stayed in the house." And it's like, that's where like generosity. You just can't beat it. You know what I mean? It's just the best stuff in the world. So oh, that's good. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Two signature questions. The first one is: We aim to inspire people yeah. to give more and give in different ways. What's one of your favorite moments of giving that you've ever done? Oh man. Um, I'd, I'd say that doing this book, um, because it was so hard, I thought it was going to be really easy. And, uh, the, the original, you know, title was going to be something like the 24 hour book because I wrote, I wrote the, the basic framework of it in 24 hours. And I thought that would make for a great story and really get it out. And it took me closer to five months and probably the hardest thing I've ever tried to do, um, at a level that I was proud of. And then sitting there going, okay, you could sell this book and you know there's lots of folks that will buy it and and i don't mean like you know on you know any kind of massive scale but on 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 my own small scale a lot of folks would buy it and we could make some money and that would be great and then i just started thinking about man how amazing would it be to just shift this completely for one inspire others to give more but just 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 to be able to do something that would feel so special as to build a school. All I could picture was myself down there helping kids build a school and living a life better because of that. I just like it's it's that's it, man. It's it's the best. I, I think for most people, a lot of people get caught up on just the money and the money is great as a facilitator, but the money on its own without the components, the, 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 the other components that help give it its true, like what can you do with that money? What can you do with those resources? That's where the beauty comes in, right? It's nice. You, you want to have a nice life and you, you, you want to have good stuff and, and have options, you know, for your family, for yourself. And I've got zero issues with money or, or, or having, you know, or making a lot of money. But I think on its in and in and of itself on its own, without having that go back into a contributory fashion, um, if that's a word, uh, it, it, I think it's just kind of an empty pursuit without having that, that other piece of the puzzle. So the money combined with contribution to me is, is the magic stuff. Mm. So that's, that's, that's just my own personal thing on it. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Last thing is your question. I love all the different answers to get, but why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of success and wealth? Mm. Because it, like I said, it facilitates anything you want to do. If, if, okay, so it creates options, it creates 
you know, lifestyle options. It creates safety options. Where do you live? It creates uh, educational options for your children. Uh, it creates health options for where you want to go as far as if you get sick. Um, where do you want to live in this world? What do you want to experience? What kind of impact do you want to make? Do you want to make, I could have never made this book if I didn't have the money behind me. This cost me thousands of dollars to make. I, I wouldn't be able to do it without, without, without the finances behind it. So if you're really interested in doing something powerful and giving, you have to have that. But my whole kind of mantra or, or, or the way that I, that I've, really framed my mission is that my desire is to create or develop or build a, a large degree of resources financially and a large degree of resources brand and awareness wise so I can have the greatest impact on the greatest number of people. I feel like if I can develop a great amount of financial resources and a great amount of brand or awareness resources, then I've got so much more power to do things on a much more profound, uh, large scale level. So that's kind of what, um, that's what pushes me. Mm, Sean, I love it, man. That's what pushes me too. Listen, you've dropped some serious value on everybody. You're, you're a hell of a generous individual. And, you know, on behalf of all the listeners, just thanks for what you do. And I'm really excited to read your new book. So I will make sure I put the link to your new book in the show notes. Uh, listeners, you can find it in the show notes. Just go to forlovemoney.com, click on this episode, and the link will be waiting there at the bottom for you guys. All right, Sean, my man, I can't thank you enough for your time, for your knowledge, for your story, for your vulnerability. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Totally my pleasure. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.